Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. to the NFL Mox Podcast. I am your humble host, Brooks Austin. As always, we're coming to you live from the always beautiful Atlanta, Georgia, man. We've got a great show for you guys today. Uh, coming to you on a Saturday, a little bit different than normal. Typically, at the end of the week, we're coming to you on a Friday morning, hitting you on your commute uh, there, finishing up your work week. Uh, but unfortunately, man, not necessarily unfortunately. I shouldn't use that term. Man, we had an absolute thriller of a baseball game down on the south side of Atlanta last night uh, at Trinity Christian School. Uh, went into 13 innings at a high school baseball game here in Georgia. High school baseball games typically are scheduled to last seven innings, so we damn near played two, and uh, our boys came out on top 19-17 to 17, uh, there in extra innings. Uh, shout out to Cal Smith and Chef Hancock, uh, both of them hitting uh, big-time bombs there uh, in extra innings. So that is why we're coming to you on a Saturday morning, a little bit different. Uh, but nonetheless, we had to get a podcast out to you. And we've got a great one for you guys today. Uh, tomorrow morning, I'll be getting up and uh, spending some time with Blake Cashman, linebacker out of Minnesota. So look forward to hearing that come Monday, uh, excuse me, Tuesday morning, we'll have that prepped, cut and ready for you guys to consume. Um, so that's kind of what's going on looking forward. And moving forward with the podcast here on the NFL Mocks podcast brought to you by Fansided. So again, Tuesday morning, uh, we'll have that interview with Blake Cashman um, ready for you guys to listen to on your way to work. Uh, as for today's show, we will be giving you the all 22 for the offensive players in this draft class. My number one player at each position. Um, some positions have more than one, obviously. Uh, we'll explain that a little bit more as we get into it. But first, you know what we got to do, however and wherever you found this podcast, please feel free to like, subscribe, rate, and review. That's how your boy gets paid. And take the time, if you don't mind, to check us out over at NFLMocks.com. Um, you know, the only place where you need to go to get your draft news and coverage and all your college football news uh, coming up after the draft. You know, we're, we're about to die down here in draft season. But that doesn't mean you have to stop paying attention to us and reading the articles 
over there at NFLMocks.com. So we knocked out the business. Now, with that being said, let's get into the show. And again, we promised the All-22, so this is how we'll, this is how it will work. Excuse me. Uh, it's a little late here on Friday night, but again, we had to get it into you. Um, so if I die out, um, I'll try to keep the energy and the juice all show for you guys. Um, but again, a little late. No excuses. Got to power through. Again, this is how this will work. The all 22 for the offense will be based off 11 personnel. For those of you guys who aren't super nerds um, when in terms of football, 11 personnel means there's one back and one tight end, which means there's three receivers on the field one quarterback as always and those five fat ugly boys up front so here's how we'll do it we'll take the five offensive linemen we'll do our best to split them between two tackles two guards and the best available center then we'll give you three wide receivers I'm not necessarily looking uh you know for a slot guy an outside receiver or a possession receiver you know I'm not looking for a core if you will I'm pretty much ranking those receivers one through three uh, then, of course, we'll give you the one tight end uh, on the board, the number one back on my big board, and, of course, the number one running back, or excuse me, the number one quarterback, all right? So has everyone got it? Does that all make sense? All right, good. Not that you're really giving me any responses here, obviously. Um, but anyways, we're going to get right into it. Um, had to give you guys a simple explanation as to how this will work as we go. So, again, we're going to start with the Fat Uglies up front starting at the what is historically the most important position up front that's the offensive left tackle and here we're going to start with Andre Dillard give him give me him here at the left tackle position and this is why this is the modern day pass blocking left tackle in the NFL Andre Dillard is a guy who is just absolutely born to pass that is he ever going to be the world's best run blocker probably not but let's be honest a guy like David Bakhtiari, an all-pro left tackle this year in the NFL, uh, is not an all-pro left tackle because of his run blocking. Now, is he? Hell no. In fact, he was given a 93.6 grade as a pass blocking uh, tackle this year in the NFL. That was by far and away number one. Uh, yet he finished with a 68.1 grade in the run game. That came out as number 20 at his position uh, in the NFL. All right, so number one in pass blocking at a 93.6, a 68.1 uh, in the run game, so fairly uh, average there. But check this out. He was so far and away the best pass blocking tackle that even with that average rank in the run game, he's still the number one overall tackle according to Pro Football Focus uh, from the 2018 season. So what does that tell you? Yes, run blocking is very, very important. But if you're absolutely the best at protecting the quarterback in the passing game, you will make money and you will make Pro Bowls in this league. Andre Dillard can be the same type of pass blocker, in my opinion. Uh, the only question to me is, can he be like Bakhtiari and at least be average in the run game? We will see. Again, we've talked about it here on the NFL Mox Podcast. Andre Dillard has not necessarily, uh, by any stretch of the means, had the opportunity to prove himself in the run game uh, at the college ranks there at Washington State. Um, but he's going to have more than ample opportunity to prove himself in the NFL uh, in terms of his run blocking capabilities. But again, if you can protect a passer, if you can pass block, that's what they'll pay you for there at the left tackle position. Uh, so for that reason, I went Andre Dillard here, uh, even though, you know, we may have some complaints 
uh, there. And if you think we're going to have complaints at left tackle, uh, in terms of right tackle, man, I'm going off the wall here. Everyone's going to say, let's go Jawan Taylor, right, with at the right tackle position in this draft. But to me, man, I'm taking Dalton Reisner, the right tackle out of Kansas State. And, yes, I will be completely honest. I'm man enough to admit it. I'm totally biased here. Look, this is my first draft process actually getting to know some of these guys like Blake Cashman, like Dalton Reisner, uh, you know, on a personal level. And some guys just rub you the wrong way, and some guys make you want to stand on the table for the guy. You know what I mean? Make you pound the, ta- pound the desk and let people know uh, that, you know, you're a firm believer in this dude, and you've got much higher stock and much higher weight in their prospect and their uh, capabilities at the next level. And Dalton Reisner is number one on my board at right tackle because of all the intangibles, man. Um, You know, again, this is one of those dudes, an exceptional leader, okay? If you don't believe me, just take a look at his Kansas State resume, or if you don't believe me, just revert back to that interview we had with him. Kind of go figure out what kind of dude that guy is um, and what he stands for. Look, all these guys that you'll hear on this list today, they're already incredible football players, right? They've already built their names and built their careers up to the point to where they might even be considered for an all-22 type list uh, for this draft class. However, some of them, some of them are going to excel in it to incredible heights at the next level because they're just different from the neck up. And Dalton Reisner is one of those people to me. So sorry, Juwan Taylor. I just don't know you like I know my boy D-Rise. Shouts out to Dalton. Uh, thanks again for joining us. But, again, that's not really why. Um, you know, I think Juwan Taylor is a great football player just like the rest of you. And just like uh, the rest of pro scouts, I think Dalton Reisner is a great football player, right? You don't start 51 to 52 games at a Division One school in the Big 12 uh, like Kansas State unless you're a beast, right? You don't win Big 12 offensive lineman of the year, right, unless you're a beast. Dalton Reisner did all of these things. Um, And I know for a fact, again, because I've gotten to know him on a personal level, I know that dude is going to go to the next level and absolutely ball because he's going to be heavily invested um, and uh, not just invested in his, you know, uh, the money aspect of things, but he genuinely wants to be great uh, and genuinely wants to bury his opponent at all times. And uh, that's not always something that can be said about every single prospect uh, going into the draft. So those are my two tackles. Uh, We took Andre Dillard at the left tackle spot and Dalton Reisner here at the right tackle spot. And again, man, I'll admit my my biases straight off the top. I've gotten to know the young man, and uh, I'm really, really uh, high on his evaluation. You know, I I had him number five on my uh, tackle big board. That's all my tackle. No, number four, excuse me. And I had Greg Little number five uh, prior to the even the combine. And then after that, um, and all, you know, getting to know Dalton, um, he's slightly and slowly climbed up my board um, right here to be the number one right tackle on my all-22 grade-out. So congratulations to Dalton. Uh, we look forward to seeing what you're doing uh, at the next level here on the NFL Mox Podcast. So enough bloviating on my buddy Dalton. Let's get into the centers. Um, if you've been following this draft process throughout, you would know by now that the center number one spot is pretty much locked up in most people's minds uh, by that guy Garrett Bradbury out of NC State. But If you've been listening to this podcast here on the NFL Mox Podcast, you know I am a huge fan of Elton Jenkins out of Mississippi State. So I'm going to put my name on it first. Elgin Jenkins is my center one, and here's the thing. 
Elgin Jenkins may be a 13-year pro and a four-time pro bowler, whereas Bradbury might be a 12-year pro uh, pro and a three-time pro bowler, okay? I think we're splitting hairs here with these two centers, um, but again, most people are higher on Bradbury. Um, this probably sounds like me trying to be a little bit different, um, but I really do believe Jenkins uh, is going to be an absolute beast of a pro prospect. And I'm going to, uh, you know, I'm being told his stock is steadily going through the roof as we speak um, in terms of his draft evaluation. So some scouts are finally coming around uh, to Elgin Jenkins uh, as a, you know, a top 40 player. Um, I'm, you know, led to believe he's probably not going to slide past, you know, the late 40s uh, in terms of picks there. So uh, my center number one uh, is Elgin Jenkins um, because if there was one question I've got for Bradbury, um, I, I, I don't know. I, it's hard to say this about a guy who everyone is, you know, highly acclaimed as the number one center in the draft, and I'm not here to bash him. Again, I just told you, he may be a, he's probably going to be a 12-year pro, pro and make three or four Pro Bowls uh, is Bradbury. But to me, man, I think he's an outside zone specific center. I don't know if he's going to ever be able to run power. I don't know if he's ever going to single – uh, you know, be able to solo block nose tackles at the next level by himself. Um, you know, I think he's a little lighter in the hips than most. Elgin Jenkins, on the other hand, I absolutely know that guy's never going to have problems um, with just the sheer size and freakish ability of NFL defensive tackles. So for that reason, I'm making him my center one. And I'm going to stand by, man. I've loved Elgin Jenkins since the first day I turned on his tape. Um, so for that reason, he's my center one. All right, let's move on. To our offensive guards, that's right. I made them plural here because, look, guards in 99.9% of offenses better be able to play both the right and the left guard position. So for that reason, we're going to save some time here and lump these two guys together. Uh, so this will be my guard one and guard two, if you will. Starting with guard number one, I've got Cody Ford. And all right, I know I cheated a little bit here. Um, I know he's entering the draft process as a tackle, and he's going to give it a shot to play right tackle at the next level, but I evaluate this thick-bottomed prospect as a Pro Bowl caliber guard, and for that reason, he makes my All-22 squad as guard number one. This is a guy who will swallow you whole in the run game. You'll never see him lose to a bull rush either. So for that reason, I know he will hold up inside in the league uh, and on the next level again. Plays rather high uh, in his pad, or, you know, just in his standard stance there at Oklahoma, a right tackle. Um, I don't think he's going to have any problems kicking in uh, to the guard position. Again, so, so thick from the hips down. Um, and that tells me, you know, he's a, a really good run blocker. I know that. You can look at it on the film. Uh, Cody Ford is a really, really, really good run blocker. And he's good in space as well. Um, so I don't have any questions about whether or not he can pull on power and things like that. Um, it's probably not something he's done in a while, but it doesn't mean he's not going to be able to because, again, I think it is a premier athlete here. Um, I just like him more at the guard position because I know, again, I've, I've called him a road grader multiple times. Um, you know, that's just, some, that's just something that moves dirt and moves earth around, and that's who Cody Ford is. So that's my guard number one. Again, I know he's a tackle. I know he's going to try to go into this draft process and play tackle at the next level, but to me, Again, I evaluate him as a Pro Bowl guard. I think that's what he is. I think that's where his maximum potential is, kicking inside to a right or a left guard position and dominating for years to come at that spot. My number two guard, uh, this is a guy who also did not necessarily play a lot of center 
in college, though he spent a little bit of time there. Eric McCoy, this is a guy I like a lot. Most would say Chris Lindstrom here uh, in this spot, but I'm just higher on McCoy, and here's why. This is a guy who uncoils his hips with the best of them, and that's proven with his 4.9840 at the combine. Look, no offense lineman's ever going to blow you away with top-end speed, but you want to know how you run a 4.9840? You got to get out with a quick start. You know where a quick start comes from, converting strength and power to the ground through your cleats. That's what offensive line play is all about. This is, again, a dude who absolutely uncoils his hips. Uh, you know, I, I, if I were to coach a young man on how to play offensive line, they used to teach us when I was a kid to always have a flat back, right? That's what they always told you. Wrong. That's not right anymore in today's uh, NFL and in today's offensive line play. Uh, it's all about big chest and bringing your hips with you, right? Um, and, and staying on those insteps and, uh, of your toes. Again, getting way too offensive line heavy here, but this is why I'm hitting it first. Uh, keep you guys teased and pleased uh, for the end of the show where you know we're going to pick our quarterback one. You guys got to stick around for that. That's why, again, we got to tease you and please you there at the end, send you home nice and happy. If I sent you home, you know, bloviating about offensive guard play, you probably wouldn't listen to the end of the podcast. But since you're going to stick around and listen to me pick between Dwayne Haskins and Kyler Murray at QB1, uh, you might be a little more advantageous uh, to stick around uh, there towards the end of this podcast. I don't even think I use that word advantageous around or, or, you know, uh, correctly right there. So it doesn't really matter. But, you know, that's enough offensive line talk um, if you're still with me. Oh, one more thing about Eric McCoy. Um, this is a prospect, again, like Elgin Jenkins, is shooting up draft boards um, because he played a lot of center in college. So you know what that means. You're immediately going to walk into those, uh, you know, team, uh, you know, player meetings or whatever when they teams can invite players out to their facilities, put them on the board, figure out what kind of personality they have and what kind of football player they are. Centers are always going to blow those meetings away. You know why? Because they had to call majority of the calls uh, in you know, their college systems as well. So um, they'll always be good on the board. They're always going to be smart football players if they played a bulk of their career at center. That's just historically true. Um, it's a good stereotype, if you will, for center play uh, moving to the next level. The only problem is most guys that are playing center in college aren't necessarily the biggest uh, pro prospects because that's all they can do. They can only play center most likely um, it might be a physical uh, limitation. Maybe it's a height requirement type thing. Um, but, you know, nonetheless, Eric McCoy is a guy who can definitely bump in and out from center to guard at about 6'4", 318-ish, is I believe what his combine measurements was. So he's no six foot two, 295-pound Jeff Saturday uh, trying to bump out to guard. Um, Jeff Saturday probably wouldn't make it. Um, you know, or I, sh I shouldn't say wouldn't make it. He definitely wouldn't be a uh, second-round, third-round draft pick like Eric McCoy's looking at nowadays uh, at his limited height and limited range there physically. Not to say he wasn't an all-timer at the center position. Don't come firing at me in my mentions, Jeff Saturday, folks, because um, I love me some Jeff Saturday. Um, you know, probably one of my favorite centers. As an undersized center, that's a guy who I uh, – who I molded and crafted it after. All right, so if you're still with me, we're going to get out of this offensive line play. Let's move into some wide receivers. And, again, here, not just going to give you 
um, or excuse me, I am just going to give you my one through three rankings, even though I think they'd all complement each other uh, anyways, if you were to actually make this an all 22, actually make this into a team. I think this would be a pretty damn good team. I got A.J. Brown, my number one receiver, and I've said it from the beginning. Every single game I turned on, I loved it more and more of A.J. Brown, okay? In the modern NFL, the most successful receivers are the ones that can do something with the rock after the catch, okay? It's so important, that yak, right? That's what we want, that YAC, that yards after the catch. We got to have some yak, baby, and A.J. Brown is the king of yak. A.J. is a guy that won in every type of way in college as well. Deep balls, cribbing slants, I'm talking two-step slants to the house, and has spatial awareness that will make toe-tap Tonio a little self-conscious. That's right, Antonio Brown. There might be a new toe-tap king in the NFL um, coming soon, and it's probably going to be A.J. Brown. Again, for those of you who don't understand the importance of spatial awareness in the NFL for a wide receiver, um, just imagine 11 really, really angry, really, really aggressive individuals trying to chop your head off at all times as soon as you get the ball, um, you might want to be able to know where those guys are at. And not only that, know where your hat on the field at all times. Um, shout out to Brandon Cooks. Um, tell me what happens when you lose sight of where Malcolm Jenkins is during a play uh, in the Super Bowl. Yeah, you get your head ripped off, um, and, and that's what's going on. A.J. Brown, you'll never see him get hit hard, ever. You probably – I didn't see it. I watched, again, a handful of games, four or five football games of A.J. Brown uh, there at Ole Miss. Never saw him get hit flush at all, and that, again, dates back or, you know, relates back to his spatial awareness. He's built like a running back, playing wide out, uh, and then he goes four four nine at the combine. All I can say is sheesh, man. The dude made some damn money for himself. Um, I think he's a first-round caliber wide receiver um, to me. Probably would be the only one I'd willing I'd be willing to put my money on uh, in the first round. There, just so much defensive talent and offensive line talent um, as typical there at the top of the draft. Um, so I'm just I'm just way higher on AJ Brown than I am any of these other receivers in this draft. And uh, you know what? That's what it's all about. It's about giving your opinion here, and uh, you know, hoping that you're not wrong. Because that's all you really got is hope, and uh, you know, a little bit of faith in your preparation in terms of how much evaluating you actually did in these young men. And uh, I think I did well, well enough homework on AJ Brown to know that this dude is going to be a beast at the next level. My number two receiver, DK Metcalf. Man, if this ain't the type of player that ought to scare you shitless as a scout, IDK, I don't know. Scout about said IDK. I don't know if there ever will be one. Look, if there's not a, if there's not a, if this guy doesn't scare you as a prospect, you'll never be scared, uh, you know, of a prospect in general. Uh, it's all boomer bust here for Metcalf. We all know the pros and cons by now. You've heard them all. Look, his vertical ability is insane, right? We know he can go deep. We know he can burn college corners. And the physical traits are out of this world, okay? We heard about it. We saw the shirtless photo. Uh, we heard the 1.6% body fat, which we all, I, if you know anything about body fat percentages, I don't believe it's true because I'm pretty sure your skin alone um, is about 3%. Um, of that your your internal organs there are no such thing as one and point six percent body fat I'm pretty sure your internal organs have that in them alone all right so the pros are obvious right again vertical ability insane uh physical traits out of this world the cons he struggles and I mean struggles to get out of breaks in his routes 
uh, and his historically bad short shuttle and three cone are complete exhibits A and exhibits B uh, in terms of proof in the court case uh, for his limited ability uh, there getting in and out of his breaks. Uh, and then there's the health concerns, right? Never had more uh, than, I believe, 700 yards in a single season there at Ole Miss um, and missed majority of this last season uh, with a fractured, I believe, something in his neck or spine there. Um, either way, two things we're very, very concerned about um, with, in, with, uh, in regards to his overall health um, and health moving forward. Uh, so for that reason, I've got D.K. Metcalf, my number two receiver. And again, man, he could well be the, uh, you know, one of the greatest, uh, the next Calvin Johnson or the next Andre Johnson, I think is probably a more comparable uh, comparison there, even though Andre Johnson could get in and out of his breaks uh, about as well as anybody. Um, Calvin Johnson is probably the good comp here. If DK Metcalf turns out to be everything everyone hopes he will be, that's what you're looking at, a deep ball threat uh, who's going to win and win often on the outside. Um, but if he's not, man, he's Laquan Treadwell. I mean, that's, that's, the best, that's the best way I can put it. Uh, I know Laquan Treadwell wasn't near of a, a quick twitch athlete as DK Metcalf, but again, um, I, I, I see a bust here, man. I'm worried about it. That's why he's number two on my big board. All right, number three on my big board, we're going to bring out Hollywood, Marquise Hollywood Brown. How many he's a fast guy cliches can we get into one prospect bio? Let's give it a shot. All right, look, even though this is a guy who's been hurt throughout the draft process, the film absolutely shows scouts that this is the greatest one-touch threat college football has seen in over a decade. You think I'm over-exaggerating? Go turn on the film. I'm not shitting you. Is he undersized? Absolutely. But you still got to hit him to hurt him. Does that make sense? And good luck with that, man. Good luck getting your hands on him and hitting him. Uh, He's really, really elusive, obviously. Uh, and for someone so small, man, he made a killing off of running drag routes in those mesh schemes there at Oklahoma. So save it, man. This isn't a guy who's scared of going over the middle. This is a dude who fought and scratched and clawed his way to Oklahoma uh, out of JUCOs. Being a five foot ten, 165 pound receiver, um, you know, he can't go back. That's all I can say. JUCO life, those guys can't go back. Uh, and won't go back. They're going to work their way and bust their ass to make sure they're successful, and Hollywood Brown's done so. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah, again, we talked about it last show, I believe. Uh, Daniel Jeremiah's been out here leaking that Hollywood Brown might be the only wide receivers taken in the first round. Um, I've got him wide receiver number three. Uh, again, I think you can argue a whole lot of things here uh, when, it, when in terms of the wide receiver core. Uh, you know, I've seen Hakeem Butler on a lot of guys, number one on their big boards uh, in terms of wide receivers. I've seen uh, Nikhil Harry, number one, on a lot of guys, big board wide receivers, and guys like A.J. Brown, D.K. Metcalf, and Hollywood Brown. I think all of those guys are in the discussion. And you know what? If you, however you rank them, I'm not going to call you stupid or ignorant. Um, I'll listen to your argument and then call you stupid or ignorant um, if you, you, you know, came at me with something stupid and ignorant. Um, but other than that, um, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm open to any and all arguments. Bottom line on Hollywood Brown, Duke can flat out fly, uh, and he's going to make defense coordinators piss themselves all week trying to make sure he doesn't get behind them uh, on defense. All right, so now that we got the wide receivers locked up, let's hit this tight end one and one and only. Okay, I think this is pretty easy, right? I'm a firm believer that Rob Gronkowski is the greatest tight end of all time, and I'm not here to throw dirt on the 
on his freshly dug grave in terms of his career, which is why I would never, I repeat, never compare a player coming into the draft to Rob Gronkowski. But, keyword but, if there ever were a prospect tight end that showed the ability to be both a playmaker in the passing game and be a dominant run blocker, that prospect would be TJ Hawkinson, okay? I like everything this young man does. Uh, so this one's easy in terms of picking a tight end for this all 22. We're in 11 personnel. We only get to pick one. Um, and again, it's really, really easy decision between uh, TJ Hawkinson and the rest of this tight end class. Um, if you don't believe me, just go ask Iowa. The number two tight end on most people's big boards, Noah Fant. Um, go ask that guy why TJ Hawkinson consumed uh, the bulk of the targets there in that offense in Iowa. Um, I'd probably lend, uh, you know, lean towards the answer of he's just the better player. And I think he is. Um, that's why I'm taking him here with my tight end number one. Um, you know, again, I think it's a, it's, it's a fairly, you know, close split between TJ and uh, Noah Fant from Iowa. And then I think there's a, you know, a rather large drop-off to Irv Smith and then an even bigger drop-off uh, to guys like Dawson Knox and Foster Moreau, and, and uh, Josh Oliver out of San Jose State, okay? So the tight end class to me, um, you know, some people are going to call it deep, but I don't, I don't think it's necessarily deep. Is Isaac Nada going to be an NFL impact player? Probably not. Um, you know, so I, I'm not huge on this tight ends class, even though I do think it is top end heavy. I'd take a flyer on both TJ Hawkinson and Noah Fant, and I'd probably take a look at guys like Dawson Knox and Foster Moreau even before Irv Smith. I'm just not too prone on taking a six foot two tight end, almost six foot three tight end, um, if he's not a super explosive athlete. And that four six eight ish uh, forty there at the combine uh, told us that Irv Smith is not necessarily that. He's not necessarily the explosive freak. But again, a two-way tight end, if you will, uh, in TJ Hawkinson. Again, never going to ever, ever give a player comp to Rob Gronkowski at the tight end position because I truly believe he's, uh, you know, I'd say the third greatest offensive threat uh, in terms of the passing game at the tight end position ever behind a one Tony Gonzalez and a two Antonio Gates. But he's so far, in a way, the best tight end uh, in terms of blocking that we've ever seen in the NFL um, the New England Patriots over the last nine seasons used that guy in so many uh, creative ways, uh, you know, even what we call wham blocks on three techniques. Um, this dude's coming in, coming inside and slamming dudes like uh, Nadamik and Sue on trap blocks where they're just allowing their guards to just let him go because they don't trust him uh, to, you know, go on a one-on-one -on -one, uh, iso block there, if you will, a board drill type of scenario with uh, a guy like Ndamukong Sue, So what do they do? They just let him run upfield and tell Rob to just go hit him as hard as he can from the side. And nine times out of ten, the dude made the block. So, um, again, never going to do it. But if there ever was a prospect that is going to draw some types of, you know, reasonable comparisons to Gronk in terms of being both a playmaker in the passing game and an impactful blocker in the run game, it's got to be TJ Hawkinson. So that's my guy at tight end. Let's move on to the running back position. This is one, uh, to me, uh, that's more difficult uh, positions to evaluate this year, even though most people believe there is one running back that separated himself from the others. But I'm not taking Josh Jacobs here, um, and here's why, okay? 
I'm a firm believer, um, seeing as I'm a former offense lineman, that very few running backs actually transcend the talent up front, meaning that for the most part, running backs are a reflection of the people in front of them and the holes created for them by those offensive line uh, alignment that are in front of him, not the other way around, okay? I don't think there's very many running backs in this world that make offensive linemen better, though I did play with one of those in college. His name was B.J. McCoy. We simply never opened a hole for him, um, but if you ever look this guy up on social media, his name's Hulk underscore mentality, and uh, you'd understand why we never had to block for that guy uh, because he looks like the freaking Hulk. Um, it's very, very slept on. But nonetheless, um, again, I, I think most – uh, elite running backs, uh, you know, some, some of them, again, guys like uh, s- special circumstances, like Barry Sanders and like B.J. McCoy was at Shorter University for three seasons, okay? Some guys do, uh, you know, cover up and mask uh, issues and holes on the line of scrimmage like Saquon Barkley did last year with New York. But the rest of those guys that play running back, again, I think they're a direct reflection of the work done by those up front. So that being said, I've never been a heavy investor in Alabama running backs as pros because throughout the bulk of their career in college, they're playing behind five NFL offensive linemen. Okay. You know who wasn't playing behind five future pros uh, at the offensive line position? Devin Singletary from FAU. Okay. This guy at Florida Atlantic, this is a kid that made the first guy miss nine out of seven times in college. Nine out of seven times in college, that first guy in the backfield had no shot to tackle uh, Devin Singletary uh, and even come close to bringing him down, except for that game against Oklahoma. Um, but, hell, there were 11 guys in the backfield every play in that football game, so I'm not going to blame him for that. All right, we've been waiting all show for this one. Let's get to QB1. All right, so if I'm an NFL GM, I'd be smart enough to know that I'm tethered to the quarterback I'm invested in. So, if I'm looking into drafting a quarterback in this year's 2019 NFL draft class, I'd want to be, or excuse me, I'd want to have the least amount of concerns as humanly possible when I lay my head down at night after making that selection. So, Kyler Murray comes with a handful of questions and issues. Granted, it comes with tremendous amount of upside, and I mean tremendous. The ceiling is through the roof, but, but, you've got to design an entirely new offense to spec- uh, specifically uh, designed and tailored for him, okay? You've got to hope he doesn't end up leaving you for baseball after his first contract uh, if things don't play out and work out in his favor. Uh, you know, if you're drafting number one quarter, you know, quarterback and number one overall, you better damn sure make, uh, you know, excuse me, make sure that's a 10 to 15-year starter and face of your franchise at the very least, okay? So that's another concern. Oh, and last but not least, you've got to hope that he stays healthy uh, with his frame, okay? So those are some major concerns, granted, with the really, really high upside. For all those reasons, Dwayne Haskins is my QB1, all right? He's the only clean-cut prospect in this draft at the position, and the only question you can actually bring to me is the limited starting time in college. But guess who else only started 14 games as the guy uh, at their college program? That's right, Kyler Murray. So give me the safer bet. Give me Dwayne Haskins. That is and wraps up our all 22 for the offensive side of the football, all right, for this year's draft class. We'll run it back for you. 
the two tackles. I got Andre Dillard and Dalton Reisner, my center. I'm taking Elgin Jenkins over Garrett Bradbury. My two guards, give me Cody Ford at guard number one, Eric McCoy at guard number two. My wide receivers, I like A.J. Brown one, D.K. Metcalf two, and Hollywood Brown three. And then my number one tight end on the board is T.J. Hawkinson. Again, we're in 11 personnel, so that means we've got one tight end and one running back. My running back in this year's draft, the guy I'm pounding the table for is Devin Singletary, um, even though he might be a uh, day three, uh, you know, know, excuse me, a day two, a second to third round, late third round, early fourth round pick. I love me some Devin Singletary. And my QB1 is Dwayne Haskins because – I'm taking the safe bet. My future, my livelihood, my kids' school they're enrolled in all depends on the quarterback I've either drafted or invested in financially, which means take the safe bet, okay? Take the safe bet. I know, you know, no, all the losers uh, play safe in Vegas, right? Isn't that, isn't that what they tell you? Um, screw it, man. I'll be, you can call me a pansy all you want, but I'm going to keep my job and I'm going to win football games uh, as a general manager. All right, so with that being said, we wrapped up our All-22. Next show after Blake Cashman's interview, uh, we'll speed up the process and give you the All-22 on the defensive side of the football. I've got that already prepared. We just didn't have enough time today in the podcast to get it to you. So let's get into some of these fan questions. If you want to leave a fan question for us, you can either hit us up on Twitter or you can leave a review there in the iTunes section. Just, uh, you know, leave your question with a five-star review, and uh, I'll be sure to get to it as soon as it is posted. Uh, these, however, all came from Twitter. I've got at Matt Barr underscore with the question. With only six picks, how can the Bears better their roster? Well, Matt, the Bears have done a great job building their roster already, so it doesn't need much work. But that being said, I think the work begins in the secondary, right? You lost Amos this year to free agency. Um, and your first pick comes there at 87. Uh, a player that might be in the defensive backfield that I think you can take a shot on here and might still be, be available at your first pick there in the third round at number 87 overall is a guy like Jawan uh, Williams, cornerback from Vandy. He could still be there. Unfortunately, I don't think you'll be able to find a starting caliber safety all the way down at pick number 87. Um, but again, if Joan Williams is available there, um, I think that's a good pick. This is a guy who, again, I, I wrote it in one of my articles. If Joan Williams would have just skipped the combine or the 40 at the combine, the 40 yard dash at the combine, I think he's probably a round two caliber corner uh, in this draft class, a draft class that is extremely thin uh, at the corner position. Um, but unfortunately, he ran that. So you might be able to get him, Bears fans here and in the third round there at pick 87, okay? And if you don't want to go DB there, uh, perhaps take a running back. Maybe Miles Sanders is somehow still available at this spot. So there's kind of some options for you there uh, in terms of Bears draft picks. Again, going to be kind of a a boring draft season for Chicago Bears fans. Um, But you know what? You got Khalil Mack last year. So consider that the win of the NFL draft, right? Uh, Same thing. Uh, for the Dallas Cowboys, you got Amari Cooper last year. I don't think the 24th overall pick in this year's NFL draft was going to be a caliber wide receiver of Amari Cooper. Um, anyways, let's get into our next question. At slapdash underscore Danny, what a name, by the way, Danny, ask Cowboys still have to draft a tight end, right? I didn't read that question. Let's, let's run that back. Let's read that question correctly. 
Cowboys still have to draft a tight end, right? Um, Danny, Jason Witten came back for his 16th season, um, so that shouldn't stop anybody uh, from drafting a tight end. So I think you're on the right page here, um, especially when you consider the fact that Jason Witten played, what, 239 of 240 career games. Um, I believe that one game he, he missed was his rookie year. Uh, didn't even miss it. He just didn't, he didn't get the start um, or didn't get playing time at all. So I'd say he's got a little bit of wear and tear uh, on those joints and ligaments. So uh, pick number 58 is a little bit too low, uh, definitely too low for both of the Iowa tight ends. And I think it's even a little low for a guy like Irv Smith there to be available at 58. Um, so that's the bad news uh, in terms of drafting a tight end there. Slapdash underscore Danny had to say that username twice because I liked it so much. Um, but the good news for Cowboys fans is uh, I'm higher on a, a guy like Jay Sternberger uh, there at 58 than I even am a guy like Irv Smith, who I believe is probably going to be a top 45 uh, pick kind of player there in this year's draft. So on to the next one. We've got at John hyphen. It's an important one. Hyphen Perry uh, asks, I'm a huge Georgia Tech fan. Will we have at least one player drafted? Man, this one hit a little close to home. Obviously, we're here in the beautiful, always beautiful Atlanta, Georgia. And Mr. John Perry, I've got to tell you, the rambling wreck, uh, it's looking a little tough over there in terms of draft-eligible type players. But if I had to guess, uh, the only player I think has a legitimate shot to get drafted this year is Henri St. Armour, your defensive end. Look, he's undersized, uh, but he ran a 4-6 at his pro day. Uh, so maybe he gets a shot to get picked up. It's a guy who uh, I believe had uh, 12 sacks uh, this last year or something like that. Maybe, no, 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 I'm sorry. He had 12 tackles for loss. Um, so not didn't really, you know, rack up the stats there at Georgia Tech. But again, I think the 40 might turn some eyes and uh, make a team take a flyer on this undersized guy. Um, you know, about 6'3", about 245 there, a little light, a little thin in the skin for a defensive end. But the running uh, might be able to, or, you know, his 40 time might be able uh, to let teams think he might be able to play a little bit of outside linebacker uh, in a 3-5. So we'll move on to our next question. We got at Boogie Whippin uh, ask, in honor of Game of Thrones coming back, who's on the Iron Throne of this draft? Well, that's a good question, Boogie Whippin. Um, to me, it's got to be Kyler Murray, right? And no, it's not just because he's going number one overall. It's the style in which he captured the throne. Um, it's, it's almost reminiscent of a Game of Thrones storyline, you know? Shoving the former king and Josh Rosen off of his throne, putting his head upon a stake uh, outside the uh, city, city walls uh, for all incumbents to see type of stuff right here from Kyler Murray. I know it necessarily wasn't his uh, doings or decision, but nonetheless, man, some ruthless type shit uh, for Josh Rosen's camp uh, there. So if I were to have to say who's sitting on the Iron Throne, I'd have to say Kyler Murray uh, is the Iron Throne king of this draft. And no, I'm not going to make a Tyrion joke. Uh, we'll move right on to the last fan question. Again, if you want to send some of these in, uh, leave a five-star review uh, there on iTunes and leave your question in the comments uh, or in the review, excuse me, or you can always feel free to hit us up on Twitter at Brooks underscore Austin FS uh, there on Twitter. You can hit us up there or ask your questions at NFL Mocks. Um, last question of the day, we've got K Barrett underscore four. He asked Benny Snell, 
what the hell? I always, man, he's, someone's catching on here. Someone's been listening to the show. They know our boy Doug E. Holsenback, uh, a long, avid listener of the show here at the NFL Mox Podcast. That's the format, man. If you want me to read something, uh, just ask it in this format. Benny Snell, what the hell? Uh, look, I loved everything about Benny Snell's career at Kentucky. He and Josh Allen led that program to the best record they've had since the 1970s. But I doubt he ever truly escapes the two-down or goal-line back uh, you know, mold here in the NFL, okay? Not necessarily your expl- most explosive back that will be available in this draft by any stretch of the means. Um, but, you know, again, a great character guy, great locker room guy. And if you need a goal line presence, um, you know, Benny Snell's not a bad guy to have in your running back's room. So that's what we got for you guys today. You know, obviously we answered some fan questions. We gave you our all 22 on the offensive side of the ball. Be on the lookout for that interview with Blake Cashman, linebacker from Minnesota, the Gophas. Um, Be on the lookout for that interview coming to you live on Tuesday morning. We hope you guys enjoyed this Saturday episode of the NFL Mox Podcast. Feel free to like, rate, subscribe, and review to the podcast wherever you found it. And uh, always, always, always hit us up on Twitter at Brooks underscore Austin FS. We appreciate you guys for stopping by. We'll send you out the way we brought you in for the first time in a long time here on the NFL Mox Podcast. With dubstep number two, it's some fire and some heat right here. We'll see you guys. Y'all have a good weekend. Mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.